You're listening to the Punisher Waterfowls, the Union 0430 podcast. Brought to you by Real Geese Decoys, the most technological advanced silhouette decoys on the market. And Vortex Canada, the force of optics. Hey, everybody. It is episode number 90. Amazing that we've hit another milestone. Episode 90, and this is a special one because it's our best friend. We just met him. Dave and him have been doing karate in the garage, and they are best buds. Welcome, Logan Williamson, coming to us from Ketchum, Idaho, the waterfowl category manager with First Light. Um, and you know, it's only been, it hasn't even been a week since we last hung out. So, no, so not at all. So it's, thanks so for it's, having me guys. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. Like Dave, I don't, we, we've had friends on the show, but we haven't had a ton of friends on the show. Um, but now we can say, you know, we got this big, beautiful man from, from Idaho on the show with us and we're buds. No, no big deal. We're buds. Without wow. a and, and he's like the first American that we've all hunted with together. That's Him right. Kevin, right? Like Second. actually, actually, you know what? I don't know if you heard me when I said this, Logan, when we were in the blind the first day, that was the first time Dave and I have hunted together. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So usually Dave and I, when we go places, we, we separate, right? We split up and sure. like Dave will go with some people and I'll go with some people but Dave and I have never, ever shared a blind together. We're always separated. So this was the first time that Dave and I hunted together too, with, was with you and Kevin. Well, you know, from the banter from one end of the blind to the other, I would never have guessed that was your first time sharing a blind together. <laughs> there was some good banter going on. Um, there's, there's so many jokes and so many things that was said during those three days that it's going to be, it's going to be ex- extremely hard to try and uh, fit them all in but I'm going to try my best I'm going to drop them here and there and and uh, everybody that's watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast streaming device uh, you should be able to pick up a chuckle here or there um, but I am really excited and Dave's really excited to have you on Logan because um, not only are we excited to have you on and, and we were excited to hunt with you but something that we're really, really proud of is that we are the first people and the only people in Canada that's had their hands on the new Typha um, camel pattern coming from, and the waterfowl gear that's coming from first light in July. So we, it's a little, little feather in our hat. We're pretty proud of it and uh, pretty excited. And I'm not gonna lie, we've been bragging about it. Uh, a fair fair bit too and to be fair that to be fair to be fair that to be typha fair. gear when i logan i'm gonna admit something here when i first saw the typha the camel Camo. pattern i was like i don't know if i like it i didn't know at first and then i realized that it's not a camel pattern for the human eye because when we That's hunted right. we were hunting in like i don't know how long was that blind like 16 feet like it was mm. huge right Mm-hmm. there was eight guys in that blind and the one end of the blind there was a lot of like greenery and and if someone stood by the greenery that kind of the typha kind of 
the green popped out. But then like there's a picture of our mid-morning nap and like we're laying in the long tall yellow grass and we kind of blended in with that and then uh, there's a picture like kind of standing near a mud pit and like it kind of the browns kind of came out and I was I was very intrigued like how long did it take you guys to develop this camel pattern and what was that process like because that that stuff is amazing oh shoot well uh, let me first off let me say we're probably more excited to have you guys um wear testing the gear up there north of the border now uh, more than anyone um i was just saying to someone the other day how important it is um just to make sure that we have such a a wide and diverse range of wear testers in all different parts uh, of north america in all different environments doing it the way that they do it just because you know we don't know everything about waterfowl. Like everyone, every waterfowler knows how to do things their way uh, in their waters um, or in their fields, right? And uh, everyone does it just a little bit differently all over, you know, North America. And that's not to say that one way is better than the other. In fact, you know, there's a lot of things that you learn just from hunting with people in different places that you can take back and apply to your own setups and, and what you're doing. So uh, just to get you guys in the gear and, and hear that positive feedback from you, you know, is really encouraging and just another box checked for us, especially as we look to not only bring this stuff to market this year, uh, but also as we look towards the future and develop new new product and that's why getting in the field with you guys is, is just so important having that that hands-on time in the field but to come back to your your original question just about uh about typha camo so typha is the name of our new waterfowl pattern um and it's actually it's named after the the genus of you know uh wetland uh, vegetation better known um or most commonly known as, as cattails um, and, you know, that's something that you see in waterfowl, um, both marsh, uh, largely marsh habitat as well. But if you look at a lot of the tones, textures and shapes that are um, consistent with that environment, uh, it's also very consistent in field environments like we were hunting. And that's why, you know, when you do look at us in a couple different environments, all within the same uh, range of style of hunting and environment, whether you're in an ag field or in a marsh, you know, it really works very well um, in both scenarios. And it's not just the environment you're in, but the type of light that you're in too for those times uh, of year as well. You know, the, the light is a lot different. It's very blue in the summer and the spring, and it starts to, you know, to get more red um, in during the later months uh, and, until finally it turns blue again in the winter. And, and, and it's, so it's just balancing. Um, it's a balancing act. And to, to better answer your question, we went through 12 rounds of design and six different rounds of color variation to, to get that sucker dialed in. Um, and you got to give a shout out to both uh, Mia Ward, our camo developer, and Ross Copperman, um, who is the uh, chief commercialization officer at, at Meat Eater, but has, has largely been um, at the forefront of the First Light organization um, forever since its inception. But, you know, Ross just kept pushing us uh, and pushing us to uh, keep dialing it in. And, you know, it was like, you know, seemingly he was never happy and, and God bless him. I can't thank him enough because he kept pushing us to, to this place where, you know, it became so fine tuned for, for all the environments that we were looking at, for all the different lights um, that you could be in throughout the day. 
and we ended up in a, in a place that, that could not be better and that I couldn't be more happy with. Um, and especially after having now, you know, a couple of seasons under our belt in the field with AIDS, it's just even more affirmation for us, especially to hear that it resonated so well with you guys as well up there. Well, Dave sort of touched on it and, and he gave you before we hit the hit the record button, right? Like I received all the gear, all the gear came to my place. I'm opening it all up and I'm shooting pictures to Dave. I'm like, uh, we got this. This is what they sent and all this stuff. And Dave is like, okay, I want you to check this and see, did they do this? And I'm like, yep, that's done. He was like, okay, good. And, and then he, like he had a laundry list of things that he was asking me. He was like, okay, check these pants. Tell me if this is done. And I'm like, yep, check. Yep, it's good. Yep, that's exact. So everything that, you know, Dave and, and, and as a waterfowler that we look, and, and I get it. There's some gimmicky stuff that's out there, but you guys never even touched none of that gimmicky stuff, which Dave brought up, right? Um, it, it is a bare bone. It's, it's waterfowler's gear. And, and the typha, you know, Dave, like you said, it, it's one of those things, I think you, you really need to see it in your hands to see and just understand just how good the camo pattern is because like if anybody's watching right now and they're looking at this shirt that I'm wearing um they're like uh, yeah okay uh, I see it um but the video doesn't do it justice that that's the like it doesn't come through on on pictures and on on video the way that it did when we were out in the field and you're looking like it it it's like a it, it just it's constantly changing depending on what your what your background or, or the environment that you're in and which is really impressive because and I'm sure there's a whole ton of technology and, and thought process that went into this that's way beyond our ability but it it it's adaptive that was the word I was looking for it's adaptive that's a good camera that's program. a good good word to describe it and actually it's not that crazy rocket science when you break it down um and it's it's kind of we 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 sort of have a i don't want to call it cookie cutter but we sort of have a um a formula and not sort of like we, we have a formula for building camo and it's really a, it's a balance of um macro breakup elements and micro breakup elements so uh when you are hundred yards away from someone who's wearing this camo, what does it look like? And what happens with a lot of camos um, is that they're, they're too dark. And so, and there is too much micro breakup and not enough macro. So when you start to view the pattern at a distance, they turn into a blob um, and you, all of a sudden they're, they're silhouetted. You can see their silhouette. They turn into a dark blob. And um, you know, if you've listened to, you know, any goose guide worth his salt, he's going to, he's constantly yelling at people to cover up their holes because, you know, you can just, you see dark masses, um, you know, you see these dark holes in the blind, in the hide. Um, and so Typho, we used a, a light ground. Um, and so we went with the, the lightest cattail, the lightest uh, tan that you're going to find in the marsh. And then we, we took some, some big, large shape breakups. And we actually created those shapes using sort of those, those grassy textures and overtones. And, and what happens is when all of a sudden, when you step away from one of those glass, uh, grass clusters, rather, um, at 50 or 75 yards, you're no longer seeing um, the individual blades of grass. But what you are seeing is now 
um, a larger shape that still has breakup around it because of all the lightness that is around it. So again, it's just balancing the, the big shapes that you're going to see and that are mm-hmm. going to maintain breakup at a, a longer distance uh, with the, the, the fine tune and the micro breakup textures, those little smatterings of mud, uh, the actual definition in the grass blades, you know, that, um, you know, when the birds are circling overhead and they're starting to get closer and closer, uh, you know, it's just maintaining that breakup and that concealment, you know, the whole way that the birds are working. So is it fair to say that in a normal year, people that know First Light know that um, you guys have like a year, every year you kind of come out with your new releases around springtime, right? And last year when you came out with the Spectre pattern, you, you had that white tail line and it only came in the Spectre. Is the plan to have gear that's just Typha that's only new waterfowl gear or is it going to be like taking some catalyst and and putting Typha on it like that's a great that's a great question actually Dave um obviously first like got into waterfowl because um it was it was kind of an easy step waterfowlers everywhere were already using our foundational hunt product in blinds you know across North America so um uh, our merino wool specifically like that's probably the biggest leg that we have to stand on merino wool was built for waterfowlers um not only is it still going to smell okay after four days in a duck camp wearing the same hoodie um but it's also going to keep you uh it's going to retain 80 percent of its warmth even when it's wet um and there's a couple different chemical reactions that that happen to um to actually release that extra heat but it's just it's absolutely wild stuff and it's some of the oldest tech known to man right it's not like this stuff had to be re-engineered in a lab Mm -hmm. uh this has been tried and true for for hundreds and thousands of years um and so uh that that's our big stepping point and our merino is exceptional uh you know we have it blended with just the right amount of nylon just the right enough elastane to keep it uh very stable and durable and um but at the same time um you know keep you extremely extremely warm while reaping all those benefits of the natural merino wool and and marie this isn't like like merino wool isn't just your normal wool like it's not itchy it's not it doesn't smell like like that stuff that my grandfather would have used back in the day like you put that sock on and you're wanting to itch your foot right off right like sure it's not the same stuff right it it is and it isn't right so i'm it it happens to be the uh the level of refinement that you're looking for and and the way that wool is sold and produced is is measured in microns and so the the smaller the micron count of your of your merino wool the uh the finer uh, the fibers. And so it's going to be a, a softer. Um, and so for our base layer, we use a pretty hot or a pretty low micron. I think if I'm saying that right. Yeah. We use a pretty low micron of a very fine fiber, which is extremely comfortable. Um, and very, very soft it, it still dries very fast. Um, and then again, just, there's been a lot uh, not just with our wool, but in the, in the world of Merino wool, you think it's smart wool and some of the, the great things that they've done and moving wool forward in the market over the last, you know, a decade or two, really um, just the refinement process has, has taken that, uh, that sheep scent out of the, uh, out of the process a little bit more. Um, but honestly, uh, wool, just like anything else, uh, um, 
you know, it, it has its care, right? You need to take care of it. You need to cold wash it, um, you know, hang dry or, or dryer on low. It, just like your favorite sweater, you don't want to toss it in the dryer on high or wash it on high or be aggressive with it. However, something that I feel that uh, First Light has done exceptionally well um, is that blend and, and, and finding that, you know, making sure that your, your content of wool is so high that you're still reaping all those natural benefits of the merino wool, but in the same breath, uh, you're creating a stable fabric that, uh, that isn't going to shrink, that's not going to fall apart, or if you leave it hanging on a hanger, it's not going to grow a tremendous amount and, and you know, stretch all the way out too. So uh, I think that that's something that we've really nailed down here at First Light. It's one of our core competencies, something that that we continue to do better and better year in and year out. And um, it gives us the perfect springboard really into this new category of waterfowl because guys were already using our merino wool and blinds. Um, and now, you know, we're really excited to offer them not jump, just some of our foundational hunt product, merino wool and the catalyst system um, being another great example of some of our awesome foundational first light product that we will offer in the Typho pattern. But then we also have a collection of purpose built uh, outerwear for the first time that will be purely waterfowl specific and and that merino wool is like that is the fabric for waterfowlers and i think that that mm -hmm. hunt that we had there not long ago proves that like we had temperatures minus seven all the way up to plus seven we had mm -hmm. freezing rain we had snow we had bright sunshine we had just wet rain mm -hmm. and we only hunted for two days and we didn't even get in a single boat right like we weren't hunting yeah. over water which that's so I think that people need to start like looking at this merino wool a little bit more closely and understanding like the benefits of it, well, especially in the I kayak world, right? Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up, Dave, and this is something that you've been preaching and, and Logan, I don't know if you know, but like Dave was, Dave brought me on to First Light, right? I, I wasn't using First Light and Dave, yeah. Dave was, Dave was just, you know, constantly at me. He's like, you got it. You got to try it. You got to take the plunge, try it. And, and the merino wool, you know, uh, I don't think anybody does a base layer better than, than First Light. But the, the thing, so with First Light's history of being a backcountry, climbing the mountains, doing, you know, three different climate changes as, as, you're, as you're climbing, you know, layering has been the, the, the backpacker's system for for years and years and years but in the waterfowl world it was get me the biggest puffiest heaviest waterproof jacket that you can find for december when i'm out on the big water and i'm chasing divers mm -hmm. and stuff and and you know first light has got like you've totally just just you know got rid of that line of thinking because now with this merino wool and Dave, you're hundred percent right. It is the waterfowler's fabric. Um, you got your merino wool and then you build from your base out. And, you know, like you said, Dave, we were, we were in minus seven. All I wore was this hoodie. Um, this hoodie, I had a, a, an insulating layer and then I had the, that shell jacket. That's all I had. And minus seven to, to, you know, plus seven and rain and, and ice pellets and it was all coming down and it worked because it was layered. The gear is awesome and, and layering. Sorry, Dave. Oh, no, I just want to point out that there was maybe someone in the blind beside me that wasn't wearing Merino. Yeah. And he, was feeling, and, uh, and he was feeling a little bit cold and I almost had to cuddle him and warm him up. 
So we had we had to fire up the Mr. Buddy Heater for him. Mr. Buddy Heater, yeah, <laughs> sitting there. He, now, he was a little dude too, right? Like I got a bit more insulation <laughs> on myself, right? So yeah, but. you and me both, buddy. You and me both. Um, so Logan, there's a bunch of stuff coming out, and something that people should be doing that are interested in waterfowl is looking at that duck lore show and really picking it apart. Like there might be something, say Stephen Rilla's episode when he gets into the boat and kind of grab something from the book I, I don't know maybe maybe there was something there that people should look at that's that's what i'm most excited for like well i, don't know what I, I will can... uh i will shamelessly plug um sean weaver's show duck lore on youtube over and over and yeah. over again it's a, it is an awesome show and also uh like you said it, it's a great um it's some great content for someone who is hungry to learn more about waterfowl, whether you are you guys who are, you know, ultra, ultra experienced um, and just, you know, want to hear how some other uh, ultra experienced guys are doing it around the country or, or sorry, around the continent. But um, also, for, like you said, for beginners, I mean, honestly, I, I've learned so much, uh, you know, from Sean, I consider myself a little bit of an outdoorsman. Um, and I've learned so much from him just just hanging out and getting to hunt together over the last uh, year and a half. Um, and his show is no different. It's, it's completely indicative of that all the little things that, that you that you get to learn about ducks and waterfowl and the migration feeding habits, sleeping habits, nesting habits. Um, I mean, it's, it's all great stuff that, you know, guys like us on, you know, the podcast here love to nerd out about and, and it's great, great Intel. Um, it also helps you realize and recognize how up and down the flyways, you know, we affect each other, right? I mean, the migration starts with you guys up North, um, and by, in what, whether it's legislature regulations, um, hunting patterns, hunter participation, you know, we're all working together uh, really to preserve these flyways to, to increase habitat, to increase um, hatch success uh, and nest success that, uh, you know, just learning about that stuff. Sean does a great job of, of framing that up and, and providing a platform for, for teaching really. But again, and not just for, for beginners, but for anyone who's, you know, interested in learning or listening more about waterfall well he does he also yeah well he also shows the realities of yeah that was of duck hunting like it's not like some i'm listen if you're offended by any comments i made you probably should be but i'm not pointing it at anybody right that's (laughs) but like he doesn't just show like the smasher hunts like the reality is not every day you're gonna get a limit and you're still gonna have fun and you're still gonna make memories and that's what it's more about right and and you see some of these guys, like they might not post for a couple of weeks because they didn't have a great hunt to post. Whereas Sean's show, like you're seeing the ups and the downs and, and just have fun with it. Go out. Just being out in the field is way better than sitting in your goddamn house playing I Hunter or whatever the heck you're playing. So. No kidding. And I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but the show doesn't show as much engine troubles as he had nearly <laughs> as funny as he had throughout the year. So there's, there's even more troubles there to be shown, but absolutely yeah. it's, it's authentic as it gets. And, um, yeah. and if I'm being completely honest, like that's what, uh, that's what everyone is is hungry for these days and not just these days it's right and rightfully so right they want authentic content and um and i think something that you know you gentlemen do not to inflate your egos any more than we already have but uh You're pretty big already extremely well is uh, <laughs> is authentic to who you are authentic to your regions your style of hunting um 
and really just your culture, right? And, and it's that melting pot that really makes, you know, waterfall and, and hunting camps in general is as great as they are and as great as the one we had last week. I so think, you uh, guys are, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to I, I just get away for a little bit, Logan, and I wanted to talk about it. And Dave, if, if I'm going totally off on a tangent, just shut me up. But I, I really wanted to, so this was one of the first times I, we've hung out with, with some industry people in the past and, and done things in the past and stuff, but it's been a very, um, you know, a, a very small period of time where um, a lot of business was discussed because that was the purpose of it. It was a business meeting um, and, and it felt like a business meeting. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, you yeah. and Kevin, you and Kevin show up. And we're, we're asking you questions and, and stuff like that to give, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, is this atmosphere that first light has as a company, like it is, I, I don't want to say it's not serious because it's very serious you have, you're doing a, a huge company that's, that's just massive, but the attitude of, of just having fun making sure that you create the absolute best that you can create. And what, you know, when, when Dave said they want to come up to Canada because they want to see how it does up here. And I'm like, how many clothing, maybe, I don't know, but how many, how many brands out there actually come up to Canada to test their, their, their stuff? Because we're not a huge market, um, but yet you guys come up bring up a pile of gear. We put it through its paces as best we could in those three days. Um, you know, it, it says a ton about the attitude and, and the, I guess the professionalism of the brand to want to ensure that it is the absolute best product being put out there for consumers. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure that we're not the first, but if, if you think, um, Name name a regional a brand to you. Is there a regional mm -hmm. grocery store, a regional gas station that you like to go to because they're regional? And if you see their brand and you're elsewhere, like you buy because you're familiar with that brand. I mean, honestly, that's how a lot of hunting and just outdoor brands in general have been. <clears throat> and you see it more and more these days is that um, you know, people want to buy local. They want to support the brands that they always support. Um and uh, if you look, and I, and I want to speak to, you know, some of our competitors that have their roots down south, um, they have strong footholds in those markets. Mm -hmm. um, we're a, we, we started as a Western hunting mountaineering brand. Um, yep. Now, I say that with an asterisk because absolutely everyone in our office, there we go. That's the good stuff. You got enough to get her through the podcast? Oh, yeah. Um, but that... Uh, honestly, that's the, that's the difference between uh, us and some of the other established brands in the waterfowl space is just that they have uh, their, their roots um, regionally. Right. And, and if we were to look at where our roots are regionally, even though, you know, we are spreading very fast and growing very, very fast across the country. Um, you know, we, we started cutting our teeth in, in killing elk in the Rocky mountains. Right. And like, that's where a lot of this performance was, was founded in. Um, and so, we can't ignore any region. 
like as far as waterfowl goes, we, we don't have our stake in the ground yet. Um, and so we need to make sure that we are building gear for guys that will work in absolutely every different, you know, every different scenario, um, every environment and every piece of the continent, um, just to make sure that we are truly checking that box of, of building the best gear. And whereas, you know, we eventually, you know, we will have very specific pieces that have very specific use cases. Um, right now, as we are really uh, building our foundation, we want to make sure that we have, um, you know, product that works uh, for everyone and, it, and not just works for everyone, but it works at a very high level. You know, earlier you talked about our product not having a lot of, uh, you know, quote unquote gimmicks. Um, and again, just to use the word foundation, you know, coming in as we start here, we have this strong foundation of, of merino wool and, you know, to use catalyst as an example, um, as very strong foundation, two by fours to, to build, you know, we like to use that word internally to that term internally. Um, and, and now we have this opportunity to build purpose built outerwear uh, for waterfowl. But when we're investing in the stuff, because again, it's, it's not cheap to manufacture, especially at the level of, of what we are making and the, the level of the product that we're making here. But the demands of the waterfowl are, and again, my two other category managers are probably going to kick me in the ass for saying this, but like the demands of the waterfowl are tough to meet. Oh, you guys do everything in these super wet, nasty conditions, and the wind is howling, and yeah. and oh, but you know you have to sit there for these extended periods of time, but you have to set a, you know, a twelve dozen set of decoys beforehand, you know, out in the field, or if you're a, like last week, if you're a, you know a snow goose hunter, a snow goose guide, you're gonna set a thousand decoys. So you had these periods, or you're dragging a sled in, or you know, Dave, you're yeah. paddling into a spot, like you have these moments of, you know, very like these very aerobic moments yet, then you're going to, you're going to settle in and you're going to be there. Um, and so just making sure that we, we have all the boxes checked for all the hunters for every step of the way. And a lot of the features you'll see um, in the garments, uh, in the accessories are all engineered to make sure that um, they are not only purpose-built and purpose-driven for waterfowlers, but they're versatile enough to be used for waterfowlers uh, across the continent and however uh, they haunt their waters or fields. And now listen, I hope that the people at First Light actually listen to this episode because what I'm about to say is pretty serious, right? Logan and Kevin came up and they hunted with us and they took seeing our, our, our ways of hunting and our culture and what we do so seriously that we went out for supper the one night and they both ordered poutines with a bag of milk to drink yeah. <laughs> and a fucking butter tart for dessert. And I'm going, you guys are going to puke. Like yeah. we don't even do that. And you guys just want to know the entire culture, right? It was pretty amazing. So I'm, I was pretty the happy whole, about that. The whole bags of milk, like if there was one thing that could like, it was awesome. We tried out some awesome gear, uh, made some awesome friendships. But it was absolutely mind-boggling that in the country of the United States of America, one of the most developed countries in the world, do not have milk in plastic bags. It Fucking is mind-boggling. They're savages. I, I know. I know. It, like what is it in like a plastic or a rubber or like a cardboard? Well, they walk carton? around. 
they rock no, walk around let's with not gallons. Get, let's of not it. get let's not get started on this because we have been <laughs> raking our brains for a week for ten days, being like, okay, well, maybe they thought that this would be the better reason because of this. And every time we come back to like, no, just I a just small five gallon bucket. We just a we know five gallon bucket. We know exactly why, but we're not telling you because that's the secret, right? So it's okay. It's gonna keep us coming back for years. So you hold good, on good. to that one. It's awesome. So before we started this episode, getting back to being serious, before we started this episode, we kind of talked about like, we we got to see some of the new gear and we're not supposed to fully talk about it all. But I want to know, what can you tell us about this Omen gear? Because it was announced on a podcast recently and and it's all the talk on these first light pages. Are you allowed to say Mm -hmm. anything? Oh, I know the, I'm kind of Omen or the Origin because we've got actually both launching right now. Uh, they both sound similar. The Omen is actually going to be, for those of you listening, um, are going to be uh, the the fabric platform in the Omen jacket and pant, which is our Western Big Game, our new tip of spear product uh, for Western Big Game. Um, that'll be launching, and will uh, the the fabric package that um that we're using in there the the four and a half layer it's it's burly as hell uh and waterproof is all get out is the is the basis is the backbone and foundation for um you know the majority of the new waterfowl line that we'll be launching for outerwear um the origin hoodie uh something we all got a chance to to wear last week is something that um, primo we actually got a chance to launch this week a little bit early ahead of schedule um, most of these days with supply chain woes, we're figuring out how late we can launch things just because it's all delayed. Mm-hmm. By a stroke of luck, all of our origin hoodies showed up early are now available on firstlight.com. Not yet in the type of pattern. It'll launch collectively together with the rest of the assortment. But basically, it's, it's a great uh, all-season uh, level of fleece. Um, it turns into a great mid-layer, but it's also got a super durable, tough face to it. Uh, the face is peached, just meaning that uh, it's been brushed, so it knocks down any of the sheen sometimes that you get with printed fabrics. Um, and it's got a built-in face mask. Again, yeah. so, you know, waterfowlers, it's, it's, it's really easy to throw that. Again, it's a ninja hoodie. You throw that hood up, you pop the face mask up, and, and you completely disappear. Um, so, again, we talk about two-by-fours. It's just great hunt product. Um, that That is actually a whitetail product that was then adopted by Western Big Game and Waterfowl, um, and it's going to be a great piece for us moving forward. So, super excited with that, uh, with the Origin hoodie. We were excited we were able to get it to you guys, and that uh, it was actually kind of the ideal piece for the uh all the mm-hmm. weather we were seeing last week layered up with the rest um, of the stuff and, the thing, and enough, oh. yeah so with regards to the omen um just for anybody that's wondering um if you're like me and and this is what i said to logan before i had actually worn it i was like i am a huge fan of the seek package and the omen is better than the seek package so for any of you that are like me that absolutely love the pants and the jacket from the seek um you're going to be blown away by omen i just wanted to get that out there well i appreciate damien it's a good point because actually a lot you know we talk about what you invest in when you're building gear um and it's just like building a house right like you you want to um you don't want to invest all your money into gold faucets 
right? If your mm-hmm. foundation is built on sand, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, this jacket has, is, is very, very feature rich. All of our, all of this stuff is very feature rich as you can attest to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we started with the investment in the material package in something that is going to be extremely waterproof and uh, beyond durable, more durable than, than any product that we've, we've made at first light before, which is, which is awesome to say, because we make some great gear, but uh, you know, in the same breath for sheep hunters and for waterfowlers, the two things that are most important is weather slash waterproof and mm-hmm. two durability, because you guys are going to, we're going to put it through it. Um, yeah. And so honestly, it just made perfect sense for us to, to collaborate on building this material package. It's a, it's this bomber four and a half layer fabric um that we'll be excited to to talk about more in the coming months as we get ready to launch this stuff and i i actually learned something pretty neat when you were talking about um and i i want to say the story myself but just like in tommy boy like i could stick my head up a bull's ass to get a good look at a t-bone steak but i'd rather take the butcher's word for it right <laughs> and this is where logan can you explain what you were talking about the fingers of the dwr and washing it and because that, oh, that was kind of neat to me, that right? Was, that was one of the best blind conversations we had last week was mm-hmm. trying to describe DWR to you. But yeah, it's a great point. Any of your DWR products, uh, not just rainwear, um, but basically the, the way DWR works, um, not quite on a molecular level, but... Uh, just to and, interrupt you, Logan, just for people that don't know, can you just talk about D- DWR, what it is, sure. just so that people yeah. that yep. don't know, sorry... So DWR stands for durable water repellent. Um, and it's what is oftentimes, it's a, it's a topical application on fabrics uh, at, the, at the factory, the mill level. What happens is uh, they run the material through rollers and it rolls through a bath um, of, of the DWR um, liquid. And, and that, that's how it's applied topically uh, so that when you get rain any any moisture uh you know in our case you know spray from a boat or or decoys it's um you know it's going to bead off so any clothing that you own everyone has dwr clothing in their closet whether they recognize it or not but anything that that beads that beads water has been treated with dwr so that's that durable water repellent um and these days it can be applied a couple different ways um there are some new technologies that kind of like powder coating where they magnetically charge uh, the DWR and it binds that way to the, to the fabric, but the most common ways through a bath. Um, and at a, at a microscopic level, you have um, a bunch of these uh, fingers almost uh, coming up out of the, on, or on top of the fabric or standing up vertically from the fabric. And it actually supports uh, the water droplets upwards it supports those water molecules upwards and, and keeps them some, from from sinking down and permeating that face fabric uh now when that those hairs because hairs become overwhelmed uh or they become matted down because let's just say uh you know just sitting on your boat seat right or sitting on your blind stool um you know or some of those high wear areas maybe in the shoulders where you had a decoy bag strapped over your back um, you know, it can start to lay those fibers down that like keep the water molecules out. So <clears throat> by washing and then drying, which is actually a critical part, um, 
washing and drying the material that is treated with the DWR will actually stand those hairs back up and, and uh, sort of recharge your DWR. So, uh, whereas it's not important to like constantly, uh, you know, wash your DWR treated materials, it's, it's a really good idea to do it like once a year. That's awesome. That, that's a good point. Uh, j just on the care of it. Yeah. Go Dave. So when you talk about drying it, do you mean like putting it on the clothesline or? Nope, in, nope. in an actual dryer, yeah, because it's, okay. it's actually the- uh, On low heat or? Yeah, on, on low heat, you don't, in fact, none of your hunting gear you want to do on high heat. Um, but yeah, on low heat in a, in a dryer is absolutely fine, but it's actually, um, it's that, that static electricity that is actually going to activate to stand those fibers back up and the washing, um, gets rid of contaminants, um, in, including our own sweat and skin oils from the inside. Uh, mm -hmm. And we could talk for a long, long time and go down a deep rabbit hole. I'm not sure you guys want to, but it's one of the reasons that our four and a half layer fabric package is engineered the way that it is because uh, that first layer and a half on the inside is actually meant to absorb and hold uh, your body sweat and those body oils that could otherwise compromise the waterproof membrane in between um, some of those fabrics. So uh, especially in your waterproof garments, um, you know, it's important uh, to wash and dry them. On that note, because that was very scientific, I really <laughs> want, I really want to draw some attention to that sexy hat that Logan is wearing. And they are back up on the website. They, they are back up on the website, but most importantly is that Logan's rocking that hat today at work, and people are telling him that's a badass logo, and that is amazing. Well, someone, one of our uh, designer developers, framed it up best for me today. Um, and he's a hip dude. He's got a nose ring. He knows what's cool. Um, yeah. But he, he was like, dude, that is. <laughs> He said, that's cool. That's cooler than shit. He's like, it's like the, the Mighty Ducks version of, it's a waterfall version yeah. of the Mighty Ducks logo, which is, couldn't yeah. be more accurate or badass or more um, indicative to what you guys stand for up there in Canada. It was so funny to, to Kevin, which I don't know why it was so funny because he grew up in Minnesota. So hockey was a way of life for him, even if he didn't play hockey. But yeah. we were, uh, we were in our hotel room that night before we went hunting with you guys and I think he flipped through seven channels in a row and each of them had a different hockey game on. And he was like, what is this? But <laughs> here we are. So that's yeah. why I said, I mean, it culturally it's, it's culturally it's, it's recognizable. Uh, it, it's just a very, very good logo for you guys. So do me a favor. And um, you know, brands love to like rebrand these days, but if you guys could just keep this logo forever, that'd be awesome. Yeah. You know what that logo would look good on? A Tell me. Hat. A tell me a taifa hat. Well, you know mm. what? I know I know someone, and maybe uh, maybe we can make that happen. That'd be yeah. And by yeah, and by maybe I mean for <laughs> a couple butter tarts, we could see we could yeah. we could really. That's, 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 national, mail. that's our national treasure, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> some maple syrups and <laughs> yeah, throw in some of those ketchup any? chips. Oh yeah, you know ketchup what? Chips. Yeah, but so I bought, you know I bought them. I bought them we, ketchup chips and Smarties. Yeah, and Kevin bought maple syrup to bring home for his girl girlfriend at the right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, I get home, I'm cleaning out the truck. What's in the back seat? 
the maple, maple syrups. syrups. Um, I gave Kevin, I don't know if I gave any to you, Logan, but I gave him all dressed chips. I was like, you got to try these. He was not impressed with the all dressed chips. Which is interesting though, because I actually feel that the ketchup chips are all dressed chips, but with sugar and less vinegar. Like, I, I, I don't even think they're that different. Huh. I don't. That's that's my opinion as an American. Uh, I know, hey. like let let the record show. I am a Yankee. I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, being a newcomer to ketchup chips, I love the ketchup <laughs> chips. I love I love the the all dressed wow. chips. To be honest with you, the, both the yeah. chips were awesome. My first couple of ketchup chips, I was like, I don't know, how I feel about those. And I actually in the back of Dave's truck, I like rolled them up and set them aside. And like ten minutes later, <laughs> I opened them back up, and then they were gone. I just Oh, that's awesome. Logan's, um, a, Logan's not a very big dude, but man, that boy can pack back, pack down the treats. Oh, well, he's just he's like seven it. foot tall. That was the thing. Like uh, Kevin walked into my room the first thing. I was like, Jesus, you're tall. And then, yeah. and then I'm talking to Kevin for a bit and he's telling me, yeah, the boys are over in this room. They're looking at some stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll go over. So Kevin and I walk over and I see Logan. I'm like, Jesus, not a tall dude. Just so, a couple that, of Midwestern tall drinks of water. Yeah. <laughs> like Dave is, Dave is tall. Like Dave, you're over six foot. I'm almost six foot. And you guys like tower over us. I don't know. Tower, you know what? Right. You know what? No, their milk isn't in plastic bags. That's what it's it is. what it boils down to because I can tell you, being from <laughs> Kevin being from Minnesota and me being from Michigan, we certainly drank enough milk growing up. Yeah. Um, yeah to tell you that it uh, you will grow taller if you drink it out of a plastic jug rather than a plastic bag. A so, gallon jug at that. Gallon <laughs> jug at that. Yeah, a small five-gallon bucket. So, Logan, what's your favorite thing to hunt? What do you like hunting? Like, we talked a lot about elk, and I think that's more because me being the waterfowl hunter with the no elk experience, I kept asking you about it, but what – when you go out to hunt, what's your favorite thing? Gosh, elk, it's elk hard. Elk is a fine answer. It's it's not elk. I'll tell you that. I'll do. I I do love um, hunting elk. I will say that I went skydiving a couple of years ago, and it was right after um, I had shot my first elk. Uh, I shot a, a a real dandy of a bull um, with my father. My my dad called it in, and. Um, this thing almost ran me over. I mean, I killed this thing at, uh, at about nine yards away as it was like coming right down the trail at me. And it was, it was just, it was so incredible. And then I went skydiving, uh, with friends months later and it was my first time And my, uh, instructor, the guy I was strapped to was real nervous. Um, just because we were, we were going up, um, in the plane and I wasn't saying anything. I was very quiet. And finally he just couldn't, hold anymore and he was like hey uh are you okay and he's yelling in my ear um it's it's usually the quiet ones we have to worry about freaking out and doing something at the door and over yeah. the roar of the engine I, I yelled at him i was like no i it, i went elk hunting last year like he like this isn't even <laughs> close to the adrenaline rush that i was getting and it, i don't think it really I don't think it really hit home with him. Um, just, you know, him being a Virginia boy, my instructor, but in the same breath, I mean, there, it's a rush like no other. And I try not to, because I've been, I've been asked this a lot of times. I've, um, I've 
uh, you know, just growing up in a hunting family and then, you know, working in the hunting industry for as long as I have, I've had the opportunity to, to chase a lot of critters. And it's hard to say that one is better than another or what my favorite is just because they're also different, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's trying to compare things that aren't even comparable. I think that, um, you know, I grew up largely whitetail and turkey hunting, uh, being from Michigan. Um, the first thing I ever shot was a mallard duck, actually, though. Um, and and that was cool and stuck with me. But again, uh, you, you know, growing up in the Midwest, being heavily involved in sports, like you, you have to make some choices about what you're going to focus on. But when in my early 20s, I moved to Maryland and what had been just a, a casual uh, pursuit of mine in ducks and geese, um, quickly became a, you know, it's a culture there in Maryland, um, of hunting ducks and geese. And so, uh, I being able to immerse myself in that culture and it was just something we were doing all the time. I absolutely fell in love, you know, with waterfall and not that I didn't love waterfalling before, but, uh, you know, I just hadn't been afforded the opportunity to do it on a frequent basis that I had. And especially in a place like Maryland where, you know, you can go hunt geese and divers and mallards. There's, there's, there's puddle ducks, there's, you know, uh, black ducks, there's canvas backs. I mean, that Atlantic flyway is, is really impressive and seeing all those things. And so it just afforded me the opportunity to really get into it. Like I hadn't before. Um, and really that's, that's kind of what catapulted me to this, this new position at first light, which, um, you know, I'm finally happy to say, you know, that I'm the category manager. The, the last uh, two years I've been working under the alias as innovation manager, which actually, if you think about it, it sounds kind of like a demotion, like innovation manager sounds super fancy. And now I'm just a mm-hmm. waterfall manager. <laughs> and so, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's been, a, it's been a great journey uh, here with First Light. You know, these guys are completely committed to just like building not only the best gear, but also the best community around it. Um, you know, and Kevin's done a great job, um, obviously, with you damn Canucks that we spent the last week with up in a blind, um, you know, love you guys to death. And so, you know, it's it's about product and it's about community. And, then, you know, those are the two things that we continue to build. And and for me, it was, uh, it was really that move to Maryland that really, you know, pushed me into waterfall. But um, you know, to come back to your original question, what my favorite thing to hunt is, I think, um, I think on my, you know, my company bio that we all have to fill out, I think I self-identified as a turkey hunter, which isn't even the official category that we offer at first light. But, uh, you know, these days I'm, I'm completely committed to spending more time in the blind. And honestly, it's, you know, you think about Western big game and, you know, it, it largely Western big game is a group group effort as well. Um, you know, whitetail is, is definitely more of a, of a solitary um, thing. Right. And in your, you're 20 feet up and um, you know, I, oftentimes I wouldn't trade anything for those 20 feet up in a tree stand. Uh, but it's just so they're all so different. It's something I love about waterfowling more than anything and why it doesn't compare to any other pursuit for me is because it's, inclusive and social um it's literally all of my favorite things you're in the blind with your boys you're cracking jokes you don't have to be super quiet you didn't have to pull all of your gear out of scent proof bags in the morning like um there's dogs there right like it's it's just like it's all the favorite things like sometimes there's someone there cooking breakfast in the blind right like it's it's so much different than every other style of hunting and it is very inclusive which 
um, is something that we at First Light very much stand for is inclusion. And, you know, it's it's so awesome to be able to share a blind and build those relationships with people um, that you, I'm not saying that you don't build those relationships in other camps or in other pursuits, but um, it's just different in Waterfall. And it's one of the reasons that, you know, uh, that I absolutely love it. Um, and that it's, you know, definitely the, the focal point of my life right now. And, and there's something to be said about the camaraderie you can, like, you and I could have talked for two weeks before that and whatever, but then the second you're spending a 12 hour day in the blind, it just changes. And, and now it's like, we're doing karate in each other's garages and shit. Right. Like, <laughs> well, I tell you, I think Kevin said it, Kevin said it best. He, you know, you just, um, when we were on our way back, you know, because we didn't shoot a ton of snows on, on yeah. our hunt, right? Like it was just, they, they seemingly wanted to fly. We saw a bunch, so they seemingly wanted to just fly right over us and dump into the St. Lawrence. But, um, you know, that's where you really get to learn a lot about people. And again, I'm going to do everything I can not to overinflate these big egos of yours, but, um, you know, we really got to learn you guys and you don't get to do that in a ton of other pursuits. You don't get to know someone like that. And, uh, if the deer aren't moving and you're, you know, it's November 2nd and you're just in the wrong spot in a tree stand, like, I hope you got some good games on your phone and I hope you got service. Cause like, that's going to be yeah. your solace. Whereas if, uh, you know, a bad day or a slow day in, you know, the goose blind, you're laughing so hard that your abs are sore the next morning. Like it's just, it, it's a whole, it's a whole different dynamic. Right. And so, um, you know, the, uh, the old adage is, you know, oh, a bad day fishing is better than a good day in the office. Well, I'll tell you a bad day, waterfowling is a sh 10 times better than you know a bad day uh big game hunting or, or whitetail hunting and I, mm -hmm. I say that from a lot of experience yeah yeah for sure um fellas we're getting close to that 60 minute mark and and as usual i'm pretty sure we could keep this going for for a lot longer but um we didn't get so um for anybody that's listening you know, there, there's a reason why we didn't get into too, too much with the new gear that's coming. Um, because listen, um, we're trying to build some suspense here and we want you guys to, to listen to us, hear the things that we're saying, and then follow first light. Because there are tidbits, there are hints out there. You just got to be looking in the right place. And David mentioned, if you go look at Duck Lore, you'll see it. If you follow our social media, you'll see uh, you'll see a couple pieces of kit. We won't tell you what the names of those are, but you'll see us wearing them. And, and same with the first light website. Like there's pictures on the first light website when you go look. And, and the beauty thing is, is that if you go to the first light website, you can actually sign up for the newsletter to be uh, updated on what's going on with the waterfowl lineup. So listen, um, for those of you that do know Dave and I, you know that this isn't something that we, we haphazardly do. And we are 100% standing behind this waterfowl lineup just on the half dozen items that we've seen. And the thing that blows me away, and I said this before we started recording, is that there's items that's being tested right now for 2025 release, which is absolutely mind blowing to me. And, and I love it. So listen, everybody um, get on your socials, get on and, and start searching for this stuff. Cause I promise you in July, 
you are going to want to own every piece of this stuff. And I promise you that you're going to want to own it because not only it does it work, but it's functional. And, and that is as a waterfowler, you, you know, that it, it comes down to function and, and trust me, it is functional. Um, fellas, but, we but, are close. Well, yeah. I just got Dave? one more question. So yeah. Logan, when you guys, okay, we've already, we've already mentioned the name Omen, right? So take the Omen jacket. Yeah. Do you guys have like a continued production run of it? Or is it like a certain amount for the season, like for the year? Um, Cause a lot of people are like, they're talking right now about how things are sold out on the website and when are they coming back? Um, that's a good talk question. A little bit yeah, that's a good question. Uh, generally, you know, we, we order twice a year uh, or a couple times a year. Honestly, we have the flexibility to do whatever we want, you know, for um, efficiency sake, you know, we try to limit our, our factory buys to a couple times a year and we, um, you know, your sales and people's sales are so important to us. And we, we track those, you know, daily to the second, just to make sure that we're, we're buying enough for, you know, what demand is out there for the product. Um, and, you know, sometimes we sell out, but that's, that just, it's a, it's a terrible problem to have because in one breath, you're very happy that you sold out of your product. And then on the other hand, it's, um, you know, like, did, did we leave anything on the table? Are there people out there that, that want this, that can't get it? Um, and so, uh, you, we'll be launching stuff. We, we have an incredible, uh, new planning team and planning inventory planning division, um, at first light, uh, that are going to keep things in stock year round for you guys, uh, as long as you need it. Um, be looking around July, keep your eyes peeled for the first light website for the launch of the full waterfowl collection. Um, go to firstlight.com slash pages slash waterfowl um, and enter email address in just to stay up to date on all of our launches and, and all the updates we have coming with new product. Um, again, it's, it's, it, we're looking for a July launch there to have everything ready for you guys and ready for the, ready for the market. So stay up to date at firstlight.com slash pages slash waterfowl and uh, otherwise continue to consume all of our awesome meat eater content, especially duck lore. Um, glad to hear you guys are a fan of that because it, it is a great show that's on YouTube. Um, and uh, overall, if you were thinking of waiting to buy something for this upcoming waterfall season, uh, hold your dollars for just mm -hmm. a little bit longer. Wait, wait Big till time. wait till July. Um, we have some awesome stuff coming. Um, and if this podcast was anything indicative of what what's to come, um, it's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be it great. Um, I think Dave that Logan should come back, like as it releases and give everybody. Oh, I would love that. It, you know, I, I would like to point out that we say that a lot and everyone, everyone's always like, yeah, yeah, we'll hunt together. But Kevin so far has been one of the first people to keep his word on that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, that's big. It is. It's huge. I'm not saying that we're going to hold Logan to it as well. But uh, I, I'm totally holding them to it. Well, you should. I, you because should. I started putting <laughs> the bug in his ear too about this. I, I would absolutely love, I, I'm not a huge big game hunter. I, I grew up hunting moose, but that was it. Um, but I am <laughs> the totally, biggest of the big game. <laughs> I know, but like in, in Newfoundland, we don't hunt. It, it's 
Uh, uh, there's a moose. Uh, shoot. All right. Uh, okay. Let's yeah. pump the brakes there a little bit. Give you you know boys, what I mean? Give your homeboys um, a little bit more credit. So um, I want, I am totally taking Kevin and Logan. I am going to hound the two of them to get me on a bull elk. 100%. I'm, I'm totally going to do it. Um, so, um, Kevin did come, come hunt with us. We are going to go and hunt with, with Logan. Um, he may not realize it yet, but, but we're coming. We may just knock we, on. We realize and... it and we're ready <laughs> and we're ready for it. We're mentally preparing ourselves. We're <laughs> pre-hydrating for the experience, drinking a lot of water, IV fluids. We're getting Doing ready your for you guys. So your stomach doesn't hurt from laughing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I don't know if any monosteps would be able to uh, prepare myself for the amount of laughter that uh, that happened in the blind last week, but I'm okay with that. Some 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 of the laughter, ladies and gentlemen, we really can't talk about like jellyfish and stuff like that, so, or, or um, all of it, most of it. But um, if someone at the first light office wants to know, yeah, hit us up. Hit yeah. us up. Just saying, we can tell you all kinds of yeah. stories. We'll tell you the real stories, boys and girls. <laughs> How about you guys get yourselves out here and you can tell them in person? Yeah, yeah, that that that's a goal, buddy. That's a goal of ours for sure. Um, we'll we will go around. Um, I'll give you the last word, Logan. Dave, anything else you want for Logan, buddy, or anything else you want to say? No, man, Logan, it was awesome to meet you. And it's like it's one of those things you never know what's gonna happen, and then you meet the guy, and it's like the minute you shake hands, you know that this guy is going to be a lifetime friend. So I'm glad we met you and Kevin and fuck. I can't wait to see you boys again. Very, very true. Go for cheers, it. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to both of you guys. I, I, we cannot thank you guys enough for, for hosting us last week and showing how you guys do things in your neck of the woods, all the product feedback, um, a good and bad. And honestly, it's the, the constructive stuff that um, I'm most interested in, even though it's, you know, it's a good pat on the back to hear that you guys love stuff. Um, but honestly, you know, we're, we're always striving to, to be better and, and do things better. And, you know, Damien, you spoke to earlier of us always working in future seasons and always to work to improve things. Um, you know, we're just, we're really happy that, you know, we can do you guys right by this, this initial launch of our product. And then, you know, you guys, as well as your entire viewership and, and everyone, you know, we encourage you guys to leave comments, to leave feedback, um, you know, us at First Light and Meter, we leave plenty of opportunities and places for you to do so. And, and we want to hear uh, just like, you know, Kevin, and I loved hearing from you guys this week about what your thoughts were on the gear. You know, we want to hear from everyone just to, to bring it full circle to what I said earlier in the podcast. You know, one of our greatest advantages is, is harnessing feedback from from all over the continent to really make the best gear going forward. And um, honestly, that was that was why, you know, our experience with you all last week was was so great. So until next time, boys. Dave. They like us. They really like us. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this was episode 90. As we say all the time, we're not experts. We merely are a bunch of friends that absolutely love one another's company. We love talking about gear, love talking about anything waterfowl. And this community, this small, small community of waterfowl hunters in North America it is something that is truly remarkable. And please reach out to people, travel different places, 
educate yourself and try and get your head wrapped around all the different waterfowling aspects that there is. Um, follow us, keep following us. There will be more stuff coming out with, with the first light. We will keep throwing out some hints and, and giving you anything. And if you need, if you have any questions, send them to Dave and I, we'll get them to Logan, we'll get them to Kevin and we'll get you the answers that you're looking for. Everybody, this is episode 90. As always, big love. Until next time.